It's the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States of America. The National Security Hour exposes the wolves in sheep's clothing and their nefarious plots to undermine and destroy U.S. national security. Welcome, everyone. This is Colonel Rhett John. Colonel Rhett John on the National Security Hour for America Out Loud News Network. And I just have an absolutely awesome guest tonight. And that's, uh, it's the one, it's the only Ann Vandersteel. And uh, so just, uh, I've known Ann for a while. She's been a good friend, a mentor. I've just been so impressed with her uh, so many ways, but her understanding of a law and policy and and uh, recently, uh, uh, Ann and uh, Michael, Jan, and I, uh, we spent some time down in Panama, learned a lot. But uh, so welcome, Ann, and welcome to the show. So go ahead and introduce yourself and, and tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Hey, John, good to see you. And uh, I guess that's probably it's a good thing that there's only one and only of me because I'm not sure the world could handle two. I don't think my family could. So we'll we, need, start we there. need to clone you. We need to, cl- we need, we need oh. 12 of you. <laughs> there's, there's a few people that I don't think we'd be very happy about that, but uh, yeah, it's great to be here. And um, you know, it's, I actually really enjoy doing the podcast version of shows because it allows me to just really focus in on what I'm thinking about. And I'm not looking at something else and being distracted by 10 other things. Like when you're hosting a show, you're listening to your guests, but you're also looking forward to the next thing, or you're trying to bring in information to facilitate the interview. So uh, it's nice to be a guest for a change, but um, how did I get here? Gosh, John, that has to do with uh, working for Mr. Trump back in the 90s. Got to know him as a boss, and I thought he would be a fantastic president. He so inspired me. I bought The Art of the Deal, read the book, told my father, I hope this man runs for president one day, because if he does, I'm going to help him. And my father was a, a friend of Ronald Reagan's, and he thought that was quite an interesting and bold statement for his you know, 21, 22-year-old daughter to say at the time. And, uh, well, here we are. He came down the escalator and I said, I guess I'm going to have to get on that thing called Twitter where Beyonce and all those Hollywood freakazoids hang out and see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) One thing led to another, you know, here we are. So no, no, Hey, uh, now your, your father also, uh, you, you showed me, it was really wonderful. It was an ID card. Now was he, he was a pilot. Your father was a pilot. Yeah, he was a test pilot in World War II. So um, his father was the director of exploration for the Royal Dutch Shell. And uh, Royal Dutch Shell does not believe in nepotism. So we did not get the benefit of that, unfortunately. But uh, it did give my father the benefit of living all over the world and traveling. Uh, his, you know, my grandfather uh, discovered oil in Patagonia, Borneo, uh, Lake Maracabu, which is the biggest uh, oil reserve in Venezuela. Um, uh, off the coast of Japan and Indonesia, Texas, Oklahoma. So my father was all over the place as a young child. And um, he, it, when the war broke out in World War II, my dad was moved to the States by his father because he knew it was going to get dangerous. So my dad was actually homeschooled by his mom and was accepted to MIT at the age of 14. He passed his college boards. And when the school found out how old he was or how young, they you know deferred him for two years. And then he went to school there at 16, graduated at 20, 
And wow. uh, uh, my dad was a lot older when he had me and my younger sister, like like 50 um, at the time. But when he had um, the opportunity, he wanted to serve in World War II. And so as an aeronautical engineer, he immigrated to the United States after college in Ellis Island and, um, you know, put his application and petitioned uh, President Roosevelt to be, you know, to fight for the United States. And they put him into the test pilot program based on a fraternity brother from MIT who said, you know, this man is brilliant. Don't put him in a plane to get shot down. Let's put him in a plane to figure out how we can make the planes better. So that's how wow. my dad ended up uh, in World War II as a test pilot. Wow, that's incredible. That's yeah, really cool. He had some great stories. He knew uh, yeah. Ed Rector from the Flying Tigers. And in fact, that was one of his best friends. He just did some cool stuff, John. You know, the the the, the plane crash stories and the things that happen when you're a test pilot were pretty extraordinary. So wow. uh, I'll always have those good memories to share at dinner parties with people. <laughs> They're quite funny. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, we we took that uh, flight in Panama where we did this aerial survey, and you showed me your dad's. Uh, I was very honored you showed me your dad's uh, pilot's license there, and uh, yeah, and, uh, and uh, yeah, the, the flight. Uh, we just absolutely saw some fascinating things. Saw the it's gotten far worse. The big backup on each end, but uh, now you you also so you worked for uh, you you worked for Donald J Trump. Uh, is, is I that did. What? I did in the uh, early 90s, 1991, at one of his uh, properties here in West Palm Beach called Trump Plaza. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was just the resident liaison. I worked directly for the GM, all-female office. I answered phones. I did paperwork for sales leasing. Uh, if there was problems with any of the renters or anything in the in the building, I communicated with maintenance, that kind of stuff. There was a couple of sales gals, leasing gals, and the GM. And then, of course, the doorman and the, the staff, the maintenance in the building. But I have to say, you know, back then, Mr. Trump, as, as, as we referred to him, was loved by everybody. And he was just such a kind, gracious man. But the one thing that I recall, and having studied broadcast news journalism and communication specifically with an emphasis in body language and um, argumentation, persuasion, basically winning winning people over, essentially. Mm -hmm. uh, he was a great listener, John. He really would walk into a room, be gracious, say hello, but then he would ask people specific questions and he would just be silent and listen. And he'd let people talk for as long as they needed to. He took notes if he needed to. Um, and the next time he came back in, usually within a week, any problems we had were solved within a day or two. It was pretty remarkable. Nothing ever lingered. We didn't deal with the same problem over and over again. It was just handled and facilitated. And he, you know, he was, as I said, loved by everybody because he was so gracious and he got things done and he cared about the people. So that was things that I recall from him early on that I said, man, that's a sign of a great leader, somebody who can listen and take the advice of his team around him and act on it and keep the, you know, the overall project working well. And that's what he did. So, you know, we need him back. Wow. Wow. Amen to that. Wow. Yeah, we that's need him great. back. That's great. And you also have some IT in your background. You worked at some IT companies. Is that well, a little bit. I uh, was a nerd. I went to computer camp three summers in a row at the summer of 14 <laughs> years old, 15 and 16. And I did learn to code, even though I think that gets you suspended on Twitter if you tell somebody to go learn to code. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I I was kind of a nerd back then. And it was, you know, I, I found tech easy for me. But uh, interestingly enough, I got hired after I left the Trump organization. I went to work for Cellular One. I was in sales 
in voice, selling cell phones back in the day when you had car phones, bag phones, the big brick, yeah. that heavy phone. <laughs> and um, yeah, they, it was quite interesting, but I, I rose quickly. I was a good salesman and I rose quickly. And next thing I knew within a few years, I was running an entire sales and engineering team, not only over voice, but data as well. And then I was picked to actually be part of the design, develop and deploy team for the actual uh, original smartphone. It was the grandfather of all smartphones, and Macaw was working on it, Cellular One. They were in the process of being bought by AT&T Wireless, so it quickly transformed to AT&T Wireless. And then that wireless um, data phone, the um, original smartphone, became known as the AT&T Pocket Net. And believe it or not, John, I don't know if you remember how slow dial-up was. This is before Netscape even IPO'd. We were actually uh, transmitting data on cell phones at 2400 baud. So it was extremely slow, but it was the genesis of what we have today. So, in some, you know, sick way, I have a hand in bringing that technology forward. Which, to be honest, who really likes their smartphone anymore? We all hate the things because it means there's work that we have to deal with constantly. It's in our face; you can't get away from it. Um, it's the good and bad. And like a gun, those things can be weaponized by the people who have them in the palm of their hand. So it's you've got to be judicious and careful with how you deploy these devices because they can be weaponized for bad. And this is what we're dealing with today, the consequence of, you know, um, bad actors that have figured out how to break into these devices and weaponize them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's uh, I, what if I knew then what I know now, I would not have been engaged in those activities because to me, it's like, ah, but at the same token, this is technology and Moore's law applies. And I think Moore's law is actually is, is uh, speeding up even more so than 18 months. I think we're doubling our technology sooner than that. Our our rate of, you know, progress is just sort of spinning out of control and I'm not sure where it's going to land, but uh, it's going to be interesting. Well, how did you evolve from that to, Ann Vandersteel, constitutional patriot. (laughs) Great question. Growing up in my house, you didn't have a choice. My parents were very involved in politics. They were very astute. My father was uh, a a real, um, he himself was very strong. He was libertarian and a constitutionalist. And he was very good friends with a gentleman by the name of Edwin Vieira, whose books I actually have sitting over on my desk. Edwin Vieira is one of the foremost constitutional attorneys which to me is sort of an oxymoron because the constitution was written in plain English, common law English. So do you really need an attorney to interpret that constitution? Hmm. It's a good question, but he wrote pieces of eight over there, which is a book about, I don't know, my hands are about uh, five inches wide. It's a very Mm -hmm. thick book and very thin parchment paper. And in no uncertain terms, does it break down uh, the Constitution. And of course, he was very much behind constitutional sound money. So I didn't have a choice growing up. It was always around me. My parents were very engaged politically. As I said, my father knew Reagan. Uh, and my parents never were, they were labeled either Republican or Libertarian, but they voted across the party um, aisle all the time for the best candidate. Because a lot of times where I grew up, a Democrat made a better choice than a Republican because they were already establishment and rhinos, even though the word rhino wasn't uh, used, you know, mm-hmm. 30, 40 years ago. It's a word of today, but back then there were problematic Republicans that were just, you know, went 
for the, the, the big money, the corporatocracy, even though all those terms weren't necessarily defined the way we know them today. You just knew they were making choices that weren't benefiting the people of the community. But, you know, it take it took what, an evolution to come to where we are today with understanding who these people are and that there's really a uniparty. There aren't two parties. It's a uniparty. So um, we, we've got a few things we have to atone for, John. Our sins are long, deep, and wide, and it's because we've just been apathetic about what our personal responsibility is to governing the country. So we yeah. got to get back and back on the horse. Yeah, amen, amen. Yeah, I, I think back then they 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 called them was it country club Republicans? Yes. Yeah, because that was what I thought that was what Reagan would call them here, and it was the Nelson Rockefeller branch of the party versus the the Reagan branch of the party. Well, you know, you think back then, and you know, Rockefeller back then, at least where I grew up, because he had uh, you know houses in the area across the uh, uh, Hudson River and so forth, and um, you know the railroads and just what he built, the empire, right? It was really you know people just revered him, right? It was a big deal. Nelson Rockefeller, John D. Rockefeller. Um, I, you know, I, I knew another Rockefeller just because of where he lived and where we lived, but we weren't like hanging out, playing golf, friends kind of people. But you just you just knew these people, and you just sort of took it at face value because they were so wealthy and they were so philanthropic that they were good people. You know, mm -hmm. you weren't really looking under the hood. And man, you know, the 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 big lie is that these have been the people that have been behind the genesis of everything we know to be evil today because of their lust for power, money, and control and their own you know, idea, ideology and belief system that, well, first of all, I don't believe they believe in God. Um, they have their own, they're just sort of apart amongst themselves. And we didn't realize back then that the elite really were the elite and they've kept themselves apart from the rest of us. And now we're sort of bearing the, we're seeing the fruit that they bared that we allowed and fostered and fertilized for them. Uh, to the point where we've now choked on it. And, um, you know, I, I find this, the current situation, which we are as, a, as humanity, one of a tragedy, but a tragedy that has the opportunity to turn it around quickly if they so choose. And that's my job right now and responsibility to get people to understand their responsibility and that they can make a difference if they so choose. And I think people are worldwide actually waking up to this concept that the the, the world is their oyster, and they can push back on these people, and I and I. It's a wonderful time to be alive to witness this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, no. What what were you doing in 2016? I mean, were you a? To with me, I wasn't necessarily a a Trump guy at the time until that fateful encounter in the E ring with that uh, with that rhino. Uh, but, uh, what, what were you doing? I mean, were you, were you in 2016, were you, Hey, it's going to be Trump or. Oh yeah. As soon okay. as he came down the escalator, I told my father, Trump's going to win. And my father laughed. He's like, nah, Hillary's going to win. Not that he yeah. wanted her to win. He didn't, but he's like, he's not beating Hillary. I said, he's going to win daddy. He is going to win. My dad was, um, 96 years old at the time. And he didn't make it to see Trump win, which broke my heart. He died mm. in August. Mm. Uh, in 2016. But I was actually uh, on a podcast called Your Voice America with a gentleman named Bill Mitchell, who used to be a diehard Trump fan. In fact, I mean, he he had a massive night the night of the election. I think he had 9 million Twitter hits that night. Um, or maybe it was more, I don't remember. But 
he was the guy that was famous for reading the internals of polls and breaking the polls down so people could understand just how the pollsters were lying to mm -hmm. America. And he gave people encouragement. And I remember being up watching Bill on Twitter and I said, you know, this guy's incredible. And, you know, he had a Gibson go or whatever. We were, I was donating money to his GoFundMe and what. And he sent me a nice thank you. And I kind of pitched an idea to him. And he's like, well, do you want to be a guest on my show? I was like, whoa, Bill Mitchell, holy <laughs> cow, you know? And so anyhow, ended up on a show. And um, next thing, it became a repeat offender on the Your Voice America. And there was Jack Posobiec was on there and another guy, Brendan Dilley and some other people. And just became a, a show that exploded in 2016 after Trump won. 2017, we were really popular because people weren't doing highly produced video podcasts. And we actually were pretty well produced. We looked like a TV show. Yeah. And it was an alternative to Fox. So we were getting 300,000 views a night. It was insane what was going on. And then um, I launched my own show on his platform called Steel Truth with a couple wow. of uh, Intel whistleblowers. And the next thing you know, that thing took off. And so, you know, here we are. Wow. <laughs> it's, uh, wow. That's how we got to here. Oh, oh, that is awesome. I did not know that. I didn't know because uh, I, I, I've seen Bill Mitchell. I did not realize that. Well, that's great. Oh, he's wow. not a Trump supporter anymore. He's <laughs> right on the DeSantis train. And everyone's like, what the hell happened to Bill Mitchell? But he has his reasons and, you know, good for him. Um, I disagree with them, but, you know, I respect his right to make the choice. So, you know, do what you got to do. It's a free country. If he free wants country. to uh, hang out with the losing team, uh, you know, it's a there free you country. Go. So, uh, yeah, well, everybody, that's uh, that's the first segment here. And, and Anne, I just I learned even more about you. That was absolutely awesome. Thank you for, for Thank sharing. You. And uh, everyone, uh, this is Colonel Rhett John on the National Security Hour with my special guest and good friend, Anne Vandersteel. And we'll be right back. The buildup of spike proteins is dangerous to your health. Global Healing's Foreign Protein Cleanse detoxes your body, removing the spike proteins, allowing your body to repair from within. Formulated by Dr. Edward Group and by Dr. Brian Artis, Foreign Protein Cleanse targets and detoxes spike proteins in the body. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Today's high-stress, on-the-go lifestyle makes it hard to stay heart-healthy. Lifestyle changes like exercise and diet are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support three aspects of heart health, cholesterol, blood pressure, and triglycerides, with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill, it's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients. You would need to take 13 pills to get the same amount of nutrients in each gel pack. And these great-tasting gels come in a small packet. Tear off the top, shoot it down, or mix it in water. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off. Welcome back, everyone. This is uh, Colonel Rhett John, the National Security Hour for America Out Loud News Network with my uh, special um, uh, guest and friend, Ann Vandersteel. And uh, 
and I, I wanted to go into the, the southern border, but uh, uh, but so so those early days that was wow, yeah, that sounded really exciting there. Yeah, the day, the early days of podcasting was a blast. Uh, again, you know, as I said, we got a lot of views. We got. I don't know if you want to say notorious, but we were also, because we were really the only big fish in town, we were also the center of mass attacks. I can recall uh, in 2017 when they uh, removed General Flynn, right? Um, uh, we were all so incensed by it all and, uh, you know, calling them out for what they were. That We knew it was a setup, but we didn't fully, obviously, we didn't know what Russiagate was. We just knew something wasn't right. And we were all scrambling for information. There was a lot of information coming in. But a lot of the information I was getting was about the level of pedophilia that was pervasive, not only in the U.S., but worldwide and how rampant it was. And so I actually said on the show one time on Your Voice America uh, that, to Bill Mitchell, I said, Bill, when it's all said and done, I think we're going to learn that 85% of world governments at the highest level are engaged in sex, child sex trafficking and pedophilia. Well, you would have thought, you know, I broke the internet because David Brock from Media Matters, who happens mm. to be the boyfriend of James Alafantis from Comet Pizza, <laughs> sent his minions after me. And I had uh, Will Summer from the Daily Beast writing a daily hit piece on me. I had Kyle Mantilla from Right Wing Watch waiting with bated breath for everything I said or wrote, whether it was on social media or on Your Voice America. And the next day, would he fire off another hit piece? And it was just constant. And I thought to myself, wow, I didn't know I was so popular with these left people because they obviously have nothing else to write about. Is there nobody saying anything about any of this? Well, little did I know I'd be wrong by a factor of at least 10%. We could say 95% of the world is engaged in child sex trafficking and pedophilia at this point. But um, it was uh, it was an interesting time, right? Um, and I recall in 2018 losing my Twitter account for the first time mm -hmm. and my YouTube account for the first time. We had about 150,000 people on our YouTube account, and on mine particularly. And uh, we were, you know, it was good times, but we started to see that the what was going on with censorship and mm -hmm. it was sort of random. So we lost a couple of YouTube's account, built them back up. They got shut down. Then in 2020 during COVID or 2019, I lost my third Twitter account. And um, that was the, you know, the, the be all end all, sorry, second Twitter account. The third one happened in 2021, but in 2020, I lost LinkedIn. And that was because I was posting the fact that I found the patents for the COVID and for the SARS-CoV-2 virus, and for the shots. And they predated the actual, quote, discovery of SARS-CoV-2. And I was posting those on LinkedIn in April of 2020. Well, that was about the time that pencil-necked Adam Schiff was demanding that Jack Dorsey basically close Twitter accounts if they were talking about COVID. And so my LinkedIn account went down. And um, I, it took me until, you know, about the last eight months to actually get a new LinkedIn account. They wouldn't even let me start one up again. So mm. clearly, you know, this government has been working against getting the truth out for a long time. And uh, interestingly enough, January 6th, I became a target for the deep state along with, you know, other people. But I was one of the first, I believe, to be put on what was called the Quiet Skies Domestic 102 Terror List by DHS. And uh, I got a letter from them in May of 2021 that was stating that they had revoked my TSA pre-check 
and that I would be subject to extra security screening, which made I, meant I had this designation called a quad S on my ticket. I couldn't go to the airport with my cell phone and a ticket on my phone. I had to get there early three hours, check in at the ticket counter. Phone calls would ensue. Sometimes it would take an hour and a half at the ticket counter for them to, quotes clear me. They would segregate me, my luggage. Everything had to be gone through with a fine-tooth comb, very invasive pat-downs. And a lot of times they did it to me. They'd send me back to main security, do it again. They would always have security at the gate. I would transfer flights to other airports. They'd be at the gate waiting to do it again and again and again. So this went on for 18 months until finally one day they removed me off a plane and I had enough and had a fit and went live on Getter and they finally restored my my you know security not TSA but they just said um, okay we're, you're no longer a quad S so you know John I was so sick of it I finally uh, decided to do a Freedom of Information Act request mm -hmm. and I've actually got my first letter I requested my information on my file from the FBI the DHS TSA and uh, the FISA court because I want to know if there's a FISA on me. So mm -hmm. I've gotten my first letter from the Department of Justice, Federal Bureau of Investigation that says they've received my request and that because um, I, I I don't qualify for free information, I have to now pay for my own information and that my, my information did not qualify to be expediently or urgently delivered more quickly. I'd be in the queue as long as it takes, which means you will pay and we'll get around to you when we get around to you. So, <laughs> no, it is absolutely shameful. It is absolutely shameful. It's, it's actually, you know, what I'm laughing, John, because I've just come to the, accept that our, we don't have a real government. That is agency terrorism, essentially. Hmm. So that's that's what we have. We don't have a government of by and for. We have agencies and and bureaucrats that run these agencies that we didn't choose. We had nothing to do with these people, and they don't work for us. And they make it very clear that we work for them and our, our money funds them. That's very clear by how they treat us. So America's got to wake up. Yeah, yeah. Well, this whole quad S thing, that is just unbelievable. I mean, I mean, it's just you, the Jan Sixers. I mean, all of this is just absolutely shameful. Uh, and yeah. uh, I just pray for a day of... Uh, day of reckoning on this i know the the, the missouri louisiana case is going to be a big step forward uh, mm -hmm. uh now a uh, ag paxton uh and his uh so we can find out truth on what the what in the bloody world uh, uh state department and uh this this everybody this uh gl global disinformation uh index group out of london yeah just crazy have you heard of what's going on with the fic versus Facebook case, Jason Fick. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what's the latest on that? What's um, Jason so, has done some great work on that. Well, um, believe it or not, something really shocking. We're doing a Twitter Spaces on uh, December 19th on this. And uh, interestingly enough, you know, he battled Facebook since 2018, sued them for basically deplatforming him. He took it all the way to the Supreme Court. They wouldn't hear the case. So then he sued the United States for lack of due process, for ignoring his Fifth Amendment right. And now his attorney, believe it or not, today it's, you know, it's 2023, his attorney found a case identical to his in the Northern District of California. And it's against Facebook. And it's basically the same exact premise case. And they tried to bury the case. They tried to seal it so that Jason wouldn't find it. And guess what? The David in that case won. 
So Jason now realizes he has Facebook by the short hairs. And so um, he's moving forward. He's moving forward. And I expect him to win um, in the end. But I'm not sure how meta Facebook, whatever you want to call it, is going to survive because uh, this has got to be much bigger and this can turn into a class action. And I just don't know how they'll survive this in the end. And I think that's the reason that they changed their name from Facebook to Meta because they saw that Jason uh, would win and this case was against Facebook. So perhaps they're thinking there's some sort of loophole technicality. I have no idea. I don't know how they're going to work around it, but it's pretty interesting. So we're going to wait and see. But that's wow. good news. Good news wow. for all of us who've been censored. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, pray for this uh, Missouri, Louisiana, and the Texas cases. Uh, that They should be decided in the spring. Uh, it'll be a great victory. Well, um, mm -hmm. so what is going on? Uh, you and Micah Yon have done some incredible work uh, exposing uh, uh, what's going on in Central America and then also even in the Americas here as far as human trafficking. And uh, so what's... what? What is going on? What's the latest here? Well, uh, Governor Abbott finally signed Senate Bill 4, which is a bill that says law enforcement can arrest anybody that's illegally in the state of Texas. Well, newsflash, they could have done that anyway. But they've now decided to make it a, you know, a public service announcement, which is great. We'll take, at this point, you know, beggars can't be choosers. But we also have to recognize that three years into this regime, um, he's finally, uh, you know, doing something which tells me he did a lot to support the World Economic Forum's agenda because Paxton could have shut the, sorry, not Paxton, Abbott could have shut the border down anytime he wanted to. He did it for COVID. Why didn't he do it now? Why did it take, you know, Operation Burning Edge, which is Michael Yan, myself, and a collaboration of other great journalists like The Daily Wire, RGB Truth, MuckRaker.com, and others. Uh, Todd Benzman, obviously, I know you know Todd. Uh, these folks, we've all been working diligently to expose not only just how bad it is at the border and talk about the, you know, the level of criminality and terror terrorists that are coming across the border and the amount of money the United States government is funneling through non-governmental organizations with our flags flying with these NGOs down in the jungles of Panama. But we're also, you know, taking our governors taking money from developers that are marketing to those same people south of the border come have a piece of americana come live in colony ridge and you can have a house and be you know be like an american have a piece of apple pie hot dog chevrolet and a home and they're marketing to these illegals that are coming in in this community that we started to put a spotlight on john is monstrous it's 60 square miles pretty much Mostly illegal aliens live in there, if not all illegal aliens hey, live in this there. Is, this, this is in the Houston area? Is that the one? The is that Houston the one? area, yeah. yep. It's right outside Houston. Actually, it's within 30 minutes of the Woodlands, which if you know Houston, you know the Woodlands is one of the wealthiest neighborhoods in the country. And uh, you could, you know, literally, we've flown over it several times in a helicopter and it's monstrous. And then we've driven through it ourselves in cars. And it's just, it's the ghetto. But surrounding this community are state-of-the-art schools, which shockingly uh, so are there as indoctrination camps for these migrant children that live in this community. Because let's face it, given the choice of living in a trailer with no air conditioning or being in a state-of-the-art building that has air conditioning and computers and your friends, these kids are going to hang out there all day long. And, uh, 
you know, take the lessons on indoctrination on why you should hate America, because that's what they're selling. And finally, after the spotlight, we were able to get uh, the state legislature to actually vote 61 to zero on the GOP to investigate Colony Ridge. And it was necessary because Colony Ridge has been donating money into the state legislature. Um, various uh, folks in there took lots of money. Abbott took $1.4 million from the developers of Colony Ridge. So there was a reason why he wasn't interested in investigating. It took four special sessions of keeping our foots on their throat to actually come around to saying, fine, we're going to investigate. Fine, we'll pass Senate Bill 4. So again, but Abbott closed the border. Just close the border and this, this all ends. You know, he doesn't seem to want to do that, does he? Yeah, I, I can't figure him out. And then, then that whole um, uh, oh, fraud of uh, impeachment against Paxton. Oh, my. Oh, that was just disgusting. You know, he, um, yeah, that whole fraud impeachment on Paxton was designed to slow him down. And, and really big shout out to Attorney General Ken Paxton. Because he sat down with a member of the Operation Burning Edge team who specifically wanted to learn about the child trafficking, what we were learning. And he brought that and a video we put together just for Ken Paxton. It was supposed to be a 15-minute meeting. A.G. Paxton, in the middle of his own impeachment inquisition, took a three-hour meeting with an ambassador of our team to learn not only about the child trafficking, but to hear all about Colony Ridge. And he was so incensed Despite the fact he was dealing with his own political headwinds, he said, the first thing I'm doing when this nonsense is behind me is I'm investigating Colony Rich. And, you know, between his, you know, his strong stance and the, you know, GOP of the Texas state legislator, which voted 61 to zero in favor of investigating Colony Ridge, it we really, I, I believe, had an impact. But Ken Paxton was the guy who stepped up to the plate first publicly to make it known. So after he did, the legislature followed, and then and then Governor Abbott stepped in and said, okay, we'll investigate. And it took four special sessions of trying to dodge and play footsie with other issues before they finally got around to talking about the illegal alien problem. It's really quite shocking, but if you know that Abbott has seven pages on the World Economic Forum website for him, it's not that shocking, is it? Wow. Well, well so is Colony Ridge, who... Is that is that federal grant money through DHS? I mean, what uh, I mean, how who who is funding this? Well, so Colony Ridge actually is owned by developer William Trey Harris, and it's the you know it's the uh, uh, his development company that has been buying up these parcels of land for about fifteen odd years, and uh, they've cobbled this together. And in fact, they just I think they just added a recent another recent parcel. Um, which has gotten it up to 60 square miles. And uh, he's it's slumlord stuff, John, honestly. They, they're putting it out there 12, 15, 17% interest, sometimes higher for these loans. And so these people come in, they buy a piece of property, maybe they, has, they put a trailer on it if they can't afford a house. And as soon as they can't make their payments, the, the land's repossessed. And he sells it again. But every time that land is you know, turned over, there's usually some form of an improvement on it. And the improvement gets taken by the developer and sold again. So it's, um, I, I don't know if there's money laundering going on there or what's, what, what the full extent of it all is. But one thing we do know is it's full of illegals living in there. That should not be in there. You drive through there, you see nothing but MS-13 gang symbols spray painted on the sides of a lot of these trailers that people live in. 
So is this what you want in your community? Do the city of Houston, does the people in Woodlands 30 minutes away want that in their community? Do they feel safe knowing they don't know who's living over there? Um, That's the kind of stuff that shouldn't be happening in America, right? And and these people shouldn't be coming across the border and getting 2,200 bucks a month and a, and a uh, you know, and medical and and uh, education on our time and dime that just shouldn't be. It's not yeah. fair to the rest of us and the people who came here legitimately and lawfully to immigrate in our country. You know, we have to get we, we have to get that sorted out. Definitely. What, what is what is the name of this place again? Colony Ridge. Co- Colony it's in Ridge Liberty Ridge. County, Liberty County, Texas, about thirty minutes uh, east of Houston. Okay. Yeah, that's that's the problem. That's where they're trying to flip uh, Texas is out of uh, Houston and out of Austin. Uh, yep. that, uh, wow, wow. Well, that's crazy. Ungoverned space, as Rumsfeld would have said. Uh, ungoverned space right inside of our own country. But yeah, thank you for, for all of that. That was just, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we got to secure this border. We got to secure this border. So, thank you, everyone. This is Colonel Rat John on the National Security Hour with a special guest, Ann Vandersteel. And we'll be right back with the last segment. World class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced. These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. The Natural Colon Cleanse. It's the ultimate digestive tune-up with Oxy Powder. It's crafted to alleviate the discomfort of gas, bloating, and occasional constipation. There's a reason why Oxy Powder is our number one seller. It worked. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation 
We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Welcome back, everyone. This is Colonel Rhett John, Colonel Rhett John, on the National Security Hour with a special guest, Ann Vandersteel. We've just been talking about a, a number of things. Um, and uh, we just talked about the, just this mess of Colony Ridge, ungoverned space in Texas. And uh, how did this happen? But uh, and everybody says listening to this is getting getting they want to they want to do something so what and i feel momentum in 24 i feel i mean i really feel that things are really beginning to go uh go our way despite what we've had to live through for the last four years so what uh now you're 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 involved in something uh so why don't you uh, I, I really love this program go ahead and talk about this yeah. So, you know, if you, if you go back and you look at everything, right, we've had a corrupt government, corrupt media, big tech speech cartels, right? We have foreign enemies that have, you know, busted in and, and they've hacked our election machines. We have even our inner cities, you've got a corrupt city minions sort of dominating and destroying cities. Uh, we've had our elections falsified for decades. And then let's not forget these corrupt judges and lawyers have been overthrowing our constitution, civilization, rule of law, all of it, right? So we've been enslaved as Americans. We've been in a debt slavery for a long time. Uh, they're demonizing our way of life, demonizing Christianity. They've split us uh, from sexes and color and race and creed. They've you know they've just divided us as much as possible. They've erased our culture. And uh, they've replaced us on the process of replacing our population with illegal aliens coming in right now. They've stolen elections. They've done the COVID fraud. But we have no way to hold these people accountable because all three branches of government have been completely hijacked. We don't even have a real du jour government. We have a corporatocracy. The public-private partnership has just taken over. However, there is... And there is a way to solve this problem. There is a way for a we the people solution. And it's been around for a thousand years. And it's citizen grand juries. And in our case, it's county grand juries. And General Flynn has said this for some time, local action has national impact. And through the county grand jury process, we can investigate and uh a level a uh, indictment and present those indictments to a sheriff and have these criminals arrested and brought to trial in an article three court which is a common law court with a jury of their peers so the indicted can have a jury of their peers and the prosecutor will look at the indictment and prosecute and i know we have headwinds i know a lot of our prosecutors are soros installed prosecutors and I know that we have a lot of problems with our judges, but this is where we have to start. We have to start with investigating the people that we find guilty. And the nice thing about citizen and grand juries is you only need one half 
of 1% of the county population to sign a petition and say, yes, I want to investigate so-and-so for election fraud. And John, you've done a lot of election integrity work. You know the fraud and the data exists. You have it all. In fact, patriots across the country and on the right and the left have plenty of evidence of election fraud and election tampering. We don't need to reinvent that wheel. Why don't we use that data just on the election fraud alone? We can move into COVID as well and give it to these grand juries to start doing the investigations and start pulling these people in because this is the only way we're going to lawfully and peacefully replace the corrupt criminal establishment that is running our country into communism at Mach 10 so that we can actually restore the republic with true du jour public servants that aren't here for the corporate paycheck but are in fact here to serve. And uh, I have to say tactical civics We have a marathon coming up on December 30th. It's going to be, I think, 16 or 18 hours long. I'm I'm hosting a couple of times, two two, two two-hour blocks, I believe. And um, you're going to find it everywhere because we intend to educate everybody across as many Patriot broadcasting channels as possible on what it means to be a, a true republic where the people are the government. And we operate outside those three branches because we are the government. We created those three branches to deal with the with the day-to-day business. But when that runs amok, we've got to take matters back into our own hands. It's not too dissimilar from running a company or owning a company. When your employees fall on their face, the owner steps in and takes over. Well, we got to step in. It's our turn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what's how, how would we go about this? I mean, do I... So do I go to the to the clerk of the court and do I do a filing? Um, I mean, how do, how do what what's the first step on this? Oh, it's actually not even as that complicated. So first step is this: if you want to be effective, and we do, uh, we're first of all standing up chapters in all in counties across the country. I think we have probably pushing thirteen hundred chapters right now in thirteen hundred counties. You know, we've got about thirty three hundred counties. Um, from there, the counties, the county chapters have got to grow to one half, 1% of the county population, meaning membership wise. Then we're looking at, you know, these chapters are having meetings. Do we want to indict? Um, what, what, what do we feel the most pressing issue is, right? So that'd be a vote like, okay, we want to indict on election fraud. So pick your county, John, right? Prince you decide. Yeah. You, I know you have got a ton of evidence of election fraud. So if you were in a tactical civics uh, chapter, you would be presenting the evidence. Perhaps maybe you would even be in the grand jury. But again, this is the people that are going to tell their establishment government, hey, we formed a grand jury over here. And by the way, um, you know, Katie Hobbs at Maricopa County, we are now looking into you and what happened with this election, or perhaps they're looking at the Maricopa, Maricopa County Board of Supervisors of Elections, and they're going to investigate, you know, Stephen Richter on his participation in election fraud. So this is how the the procedure works. Uh, it's not a overnight fix, but it's a process that when all counties are doing the same thing at the same time, you only need one or two counties to have an effective prosecution or an indictment, watch what happens in the rest of the country. You make an example out of one, everybody else tends to fall in line. 
So I don't see us as having to, you know, go through thousands and thousands of grand juries all over the place. It's going to be a few that are successful in indicting and prosecuting, and the rest will come clean because yes. they don't want to have the same fate as whoever the first couple of, um, shall we say, canaries in the coal mine, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. turn out to be. So I, I, I really am very encouraged by this because this puts the power right back in whose hands? Our hands. And it takes it out of the corruption of the local, the county, the state, and the federal, you know, jurisdiction. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. We have uh, Michelle White was my former um, uh, registrar. She was mm-hmm. charged by Jason Miares. Now, it looks like the case has been dropped, unfortunately. This was for 2020 election Why? fraud. Well, it looks like uh, one of the key witnesses. Uh, I mean, I was one of the ones who came in and uh, uh, Attorney General Miara's uh, asked me and then several others about what was going on. And they started the investigation. But I guess one of the key witnesses who was on her staff uh, retracted their statement. And it's like, oh, okay, well, that's not good. But... Nothing. If nothing else, it got Michelle White out of position, and uh, um, I don't know how, in the end if it's all over. That was a big bummer, but it was uh, you know just if your chief witness turns, um, you know, that's a bummer. It's hard to go forward, uh, but uh, um, I, it, we gotta we gotta uh, you know I like this model here. We gotta uh, we gotta go after the current registrars. I'm just not I'm not happy with this guy, but the way to get him, um, we gotta remove our Republican election board because they had the power as soon as they were appointed to remove Eric Olson. Instead, what did these goofball Republicans do? They said, oh, he's doing great. He's doing wonderful. So I like this. I think we need to empower a a grand jury uh, to investigate. Uh, So are you feeling energy and momentum? uh, Oh, 100%. I I feel that, uh, first of all, when I first started talking about tactical civics, I was introduced to the idea listening to Scott McKay on the radio with David Zuniga, the gentleman who's conceived this uh, very simple streamlined solution of the constitutional uh, approach and distilled it into something that we can act quickly upon. And I said, this is the answer I'm looking for because we've always felt powerless. You know, we know we don't control the executive branch. We don't control the legislative branch. We've lost control of the courts. So when we do want to get something, you know, adjudicated, we have nowhere to go. We have no fair shake. So this actually puts it all back into the people's hands, which is just fantastic as far as I'm concerned. And it allows us to go after these corrupt criminals that have just taken over government from, you know, federal to local and get rid of them, prosecute them, you know, indict them, investigate, indict, prosecute and adjudicate, get them out. Whether whatever the penalty is, you know, they have their own rules, codes, statutes, and ordinances, right? There's their own penalty phase for whenever they commit crimes. We're going to hold them to their penalty box. And I think it's going to be quite enlightening because, like I said, you're only going to need to do this a couple of times and everybody else is going to fall in line. I don't see this as being a long and strong out process. It's just taking us a while to get to the tipping point where we have enough people 
in all the counties to say, yep, we actually control the counties through tactical civics. We have enough people. So if we want to create a grand jury in all 3,300 counties, we can and we shall. And we're going to see whoever gets across the finish line to indict somebody first and held them in a prosecutorial position where we know we've got them. And I think we won't need to do a whole bunch more after that because people will start to just cry uncle and they'll start confessing and, Mm. you know, turning in other people, which is what we need to do. We need to do every last one of these demons that's involved in all this stuff, John. So this can never, ever happen again. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like it. I think in print, my own county in Prince William, the target should be the, uh, um, the election board. I mean, yeah. because they, they, they decided to let Eric Olson stay. So I, I don't like, I'm not crazy about Eric Olson. Um, you know, uh, um, I mean, he's been very, I have to admit, I'm always going to call, but he's always been extremely responsive. If I send Eric a note, man, he's, he's back in 30 seconds and, and he's, he's very, um, very revealing of anything I ask, anything I ask for, bam, he gives it to me. So I compliment Eric for that. But in the end, you know, things like in Virginia, where there's no definition of what a risk limiting audit is. So they always tell the minions, we're going to do a risk limiting audit after an election. Guess what? There's no definition of what a risk limiting audit is. So right. there's no boundaries. There's no measurements. Uh, so they just, hey, you peons, we're going to do a risk limiting audit. And I go, oh, really? What is that? No, there's no definition. So it can be whatever you want it to be. And and who's responsible for that? The election board and its Republicans. And they had the power. I've given them uh, I've given them clear guidance on 10 things they should be doing. Uh now, now three of them have been accomplished, but it wasn't really their their accomplishment. We got rid of uh we got rid of Eric the uh um uh, Eric the the voter management system. Uh we uh Kenick was out and things like that but uh yeah oh that's absolutely great Anne. that's absolutely great well you know the thing the thing that people don't know about grand juries and i'm sure you do is that the grand juries can choose to investigate whomever they want just because they got a panel to look at you know john doe they might decide that you know you know peter smith is really the target of the investigation it could mm-hmm. even be mm-hmm. Um, the person who impaneled them or suggested they get together. So, you know, that's the power of the grand jury, that they're more powerful than the judge, and they're going to set the tone and tenor. And, you know, again, this is something that the people need to understand. When you hear, oh, there's a federal grand jury that's been impaneled and special prosecutor, you know, the grand jury could investigate Jack Smith for all that matters, or Mm -hmm. Letitia James, or Alvin Braggs, or... You know, Brad Raffensperger, that's where they should be focusing their attention. But instead, they don't know the power that they have, and they're listening to these instructions, and they think they have to follow the instructions to the letter and not look outside the scope of who they've been pointed to look into. But in fact, they actually have the scope of whatever they want to look into if they think it's germane to the the crime that they're addressing. So I, these are the types of things that People who are in these positions just don't know how much power they have, and they could make a big difference. Yeah, very good. Well, uh, in in Virginia and I think most states, you have kind of a lockdown period of you know no changes, and it's like it's like ninety days out in front of our election season. So when you do the math, it's actually June. So uh, as soon as the Christmas break is over in Virginia, we got to surge and make something happen by uh, by April. Uh, to to have more decisive uh, um, 
oversight of our election process. But uh, and that's that's awesome. And uh, got about a minute left here. What else should we be doing uh, in twenty four as we we come back to hopefully a return of an America first president? What are, what are, what are we, we should not comply. We just simply cannot comply with the federal government. They literally intend to enslave us, John. They've given away the sovereignty of this country to to foreign uh, agency, you know, like the WHO, and we we cannot comply. We need to quickly mobilize the county level, stand up our own, um, you know, county bill of rights like they've done in Collier and say, we will not accept federal or outside third-party agencies like the WHO mandating anything in the county in which I live in. We have to block them out yeah. and we've got and, to get local and be prepared. Yeah. And, and a lot of people don't realize there's a lot of counties that participate in this web of WHO and WEF activity and boy, you got to right. be vigilant, vigilant in your county because it's amazing. They they reach down to the county level. So, good good advice. Uh, so, Anne, we're we're uh, well, we're at the end of our time here. I could go on with you for uh, for hours, but this is absolutely awesome. And uh, Anne, how, what are your social what are your social media coordinates? How do people get more Anne Vandersteel? More coordinates for Ann. It's pretty simple at Ann Vandersteel. Most social media platforms, I'm at Ann Vandersteel Truth on Telegram and Instagram, but I'm at Ann Vandersteel everywhere else. So I'd love to see you. And I'm in the process of building my website, annvandersteel.com. Not much to see there now, but there will be soon. No, oh, awesome. Awesome. And uh, we've talked about some plans here. We're gonna we're gonna work on them together. Oh, I'm very excited. So uh, yeah, we'll have to break to that us. later. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, Anne, and uh, everyone. Just my, my my good friend, a great American. Uh, even though our American government's not you. not working here, but yeah, back at <laughs> you. Thank you, thank you. But Anne, thank you for everything you do. And everybody, uh, this is Carl Rat John, the National Security Hour for the America Out Loud News Network. <laughs>